0: Welcome to another episode of the 90s and noughties UK podcast. Asking the question once again, is this British sitcom the best of the 90s? Well, today, goodnight sweetheart, that um, sitcom which ran on BBC One between 1993 and 1999 for six series totaling 59 episodes. It is, as Wikipedia calls it, a science fiction time travel sitcom starring Nicholas Lyndhurst. It was created by Lawrence Marks and Morris Gran, who also created Birds of a Feather and The New Statesman. Um, and if you're interested in talking about those shows, get in contact, won't you? So, yeah, uh, I've invited my wife to come along for the ride, uh, because in a previous episode, we talked about As Time Goes By, one of her comfort watches, her favourite sitcoms of all time. Now, to stop me from going on a 10 minute, 15 minute um, monologue about how great I think this sitcom is, um, I've brought her along. Good night, sweetheart. Is this the best British sitcom of the 90s?
1: It's certainly a contender. It's not one that I have much nostalgia of from the time it was first broadcast. I wasn't really aware of it during the 90s, apart from maybe the last few episodes at the end of the run. But I certainly watched it probably... Oh, I suppose it was somewhere around the late
0: 2000s. When it started to be repeated on, on channels like ITV3. Exactly.
1: And I I kind of caught up with it then. And yeah, it's good. Like we were saying about as time goes by in a previous episode, it's not a kind of belly laughs situation, really. It's
0: It's a very gentle comedy. And yes. I think the... The thing is, if you haven't heard of this series before, if this is completely new to you, uh, this sitcom is about Gary Sparrow, played by Nicholas Lindhurst, who leads a double life. He's got two women on the go, one in the 90s, whom he's initially married to, um, and then one in the 40s, because in the first episode, he discovers he's a time traveller. He has the ability to do that, and... He is assisted in many of his quests by his friend Ron, played by uh, Victor Maguire from Bread. Uh, And this series, on paper, seems like it's going to be terrible, doesn't it? It seems like it's going to be awful. Um, I think I read somewhere, I think it might have been on the Marks and Grand website that when they were pitching this to the BBC, they pitched it as something like um, a man has an affair with a woman and she might be dead or something. It was something (laughs) like that. Um, And this series, there's a lot of things in its stuff that just doesn't seem like almost family-friendly sitcom fare. No. Because you're talking about the war, you're talking about um, adultery, essentially, you know, um, the idea of having an affair, even if it is with somebody 50 years in the past. Um, You're talking about a number of different things. And in any other show, the lead character doing this stuff would be very unlikable he would be so unlikable that you'd think why am I watching this but there's something about Nicholas Lindhurst of Only Falls and Horses fame of Butterfly's fame that makes you almost want to root for him even though at times he is a terrible human being
1: (laughs) well yes and I think maybe if you looked at it with very let's say cynical modern eyes you would actually put even more disturbing meaning onto a lot of the things that he does because I'm not going to go there because it's just going to ruin the whole thing but yes if you really looked at it in a serious light it's pretty bad whereas it's just constantly joking about the fact that he you know is basically lying a hundred percent of the time to both the women in his life that it doesn't go just as far as he's got two women separately on the go as you put it it's you know he lies to them constantly about what he does for his job and how he makes money and where he
0: is the rest of the time, and and he's constantly abusing Ron's friendship. Exactly. We yes. Need to, we need to talk about <laughs> oh this. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Why is Ron Wheatcroft never um, seen as like one of the best kind of best friends in a sitcom? Oh my goodness! Because surely he's up there with like friend goals because he lies all the time. He pretty much puts his marriage in jeopardy to help Gary, and he's annoyed about it. <laughs> but it still just happens he still continues to do it never does he pretty much say well no, no i'm i'm not going to help you anymore other than you know as part of like a a little plot device to do something else but friend goals man um
1: <laughs> well i think maybe the only reason why he remains friends with him is because he just envies him i think it's like a it's like a hero worship thing. It's like, wow, I wish I could have that. He like looks at him with these twinkly eyes like, wow, you're awesome because you're doing this thing. That's what everyone dreams of.
0: I'm in the middle of a rewatch of this series at the moment and I've seen this thing countless times because for me, I didn't see it on first glance either. Maybe I saw one episode, the one where he struck by lightning. That's the one episode I remember seeing. After that, I saw it in the mid-2000s. I watched it with members of my family who aren't with me anymore and i you know have a lot of nostalgia a lot of memories of watching it with them a lot of very warm glowy memories and watching it again i'm seeing even more stuff and at the beginning i love how uh i didn't realize that ron doesn't actually know gary in the first episode, that's when they first meet. Because in the later years, you assume they've been friends like since childhood because <laughs> yeah. of the, the things that he's going to in order to to do this Completely stuff. Completely Ron's commitment to him. And it's just funny how while Gary's life is going up, his is just going down because yeah. he's covering. And the fact that initially he just thinks that Gary's playing a prank because he doesn't know him particularly well. And then it's not until he sees a newspaper from the 1940s that looks like it was printed yesterday, you know, on a 1938 printing press because Ron's a printer. I mean, that's a, if you're a time traveler and you need money, I mean, there's a, a printer's the best friend to have, isn't it? And that's where this is brilliant. Everything's in place. And we haven't even talked about the 1940s section of this because... They, they almost go overt on the 90s-ness of it. It's very lads. It's very, you know, it's alibis at the beginning are going to football matches and football hooliganism and and all this sort of stuff. And then you've got the 1940s where they're almost saying in some cases, a lot of things change, but a lot of things don't. Um, it's just done in a very different way. Way and the thing is, it, it encroaches on a lot of very serious subjects, a lot of very serious subject matter. And there's a couple of laughs to be had in there, usually out of Gary's misunderstanding of things, um, if not their misunderstanding, because Gary knows a little bit more about the world, it seems, than, than they do, and obviously because he's able to look back at it in hindsight as well as living through it, yes, in a way. Yeah, the things that they managed to do, I don't think it may be One Foot in the Grave is perhaps the only other sitcom from this period that can take a serious subject matter and just for a second go, we've spent 25 minutes laughing, now we're doing a bit of character development where there won't be any laughs, where we're able to to go on to think. I mean, there's, there's an episode where Gary goes on Firewatch and he's initially trying to get out of it You know, because there's that whole arc about him wanting to stay in the past and then realizing that that's really difficult. And so then he, he, because he's a local in the area, because he's there all the time, they're like, well, you need to do your bit then. And so he then decides on a whim, well, I'm going to go back. You know, I've realized that uh, I didn't need to fake my death. I miss all the 90s um, pleasures that I have. And in the end, he gets forced to do the fire watch, um, because Reg, the policeman, basically, you know, is very angry at him because he didn't do his bit, which I can imagine would have been the case for people who would have shirked that.
1: Sure. You know, and
0: this is a very serious subject.
1: Exactly. You know, for yeah. this.
0: And at the end, he's got like like shell shock or, or post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, like, and all he's hearing is like a simple plane going over or something. And yet he's experienced this thing. And you think, this is a show we're supposed to laugh at. Yes. This is a show we're supposed to laugh at. And we've done something extremely serious here. And in in some ways, in the story, it's taught Gary a lesson. Because until that moment, he was playing.
1: It's like a game. It was a
0: game. And it wasn't until he got to experience what it was like um, in in his, you know, in this show, in, in the way they're depicting it, all the cues... Um, the fact that the entertainment that is put in front of him isn't to his liking because he hates George Formby, um, you know, and all that kind of thing. It is just an astonishing show that goes places you just would not expect, but it does it with good purpose. Would they do it like that now? Probably not. Probably not. But I think in some cases it does what Dad's Army did, in yes. that um it's it's a very similar thing to that. And yes, I can talk about that because it was on every Saturday night <laughs> in the in the nineties, dad's army. Um but yeah, this this show on paper, like I say, shouldn't work. In practice, it just gets better and better. My only fault is at the end, it kind of went a bit overboard. Um, they started to take it out of it. I mean, when he met Noel Coward. It kind of jumped <laughs> oh, the shark.
1: Yes, I remember when they started doing all that stuff, yeah.
0: It started to jump the shark a bit. We talked in a previous episode about As Time Goes By, and you said about series four is when it really becomes comfort. Yeah. For me, when Gary gets into the shop, that is like peak. Yes. Because I watched the first sort of two and a half, you know, two and a bit series. And I remember it, it's a lot of very memorable moments, and it's but it's kind of just establishing things. Yeah rather than we're in it whereas after he gets into the shop he's able to take it more seriously
1: exactly it's like this is where we are we're we're in situ we know where we are he doesn't have to keep coming up with new excuses every episode for why he has this thing why he's dressed in these clothes where he's been for a weekend where he's getting his money from like we don't have to keep coming up with these one-off things that's all established so then they can go out into other issues more and explore the rest of what's going on more because all these little superficial things don't have to be discussed anymore
0: no which meant they could go to wackier places (laughs) yes sometimes Um, like that weird that weird one where ron gives credit to a guy from the from the future um, (laughs) which you might not remember Um, His name was Beckham or something. You know, named after the Prime Minister. There's a lot of very 90s humour in there. It's very of the period. Definitely. Um, It verges on men behaving badly at times.
1: Yes. As you said earlier, very, very laddy. Something popped into my head the other day when I was watching an episode with you um, because it's currently available on ITVX so you're kind of revisiting it again it occurred to me that I feel like there's one other person who probably could have played the best friend role in a similar way. Um, And that's Lewis Collins of The Professionals. And he gives me that vibe. In a way, that's a bad thing, because obviously, the 90s was kind of supposedly the decade of the enlightened man and, you know, kind of a bit more equal in in, uh, marriages and things like that but it feels very, these men grew up in the 70s, like it's very laddie. it's very men are men and women are women and the men, as you, you pointed this out, they do men things and that's what they expect to be able to do and that's what they enjoy doing and they're thinking about themselves all the time and especially Gary, he's just thinking about himself constantly he's very inward looking it's all about how everything's affecting him he doesn't care or see how anything affects anybody else probably particularly his friend ron
0: even though by that point he is taking it a lot more seriously than he used to yeah it's just that occasionally he does a you know a complete u-turn and sort of goes oh no what am i gonna do i'm in absolute you know pig in whatever (laughs) um but then you have Ron and his as I see it speeches <laughs> which are just genius because he's always looking at it from outsider's point of view yeah, but I, I I do often wonder in the end, is he if he was envious at the beginning, by the end he isn't because no. they did that whole arc of him going back because the portal opened up for everybody yes, and that's right, Gary made some joke about. You know, World War II housewives coming through, lining up outside Marks and Spencer, and uh, all that kind of thing. But they did play with that, and it got very silly by the end. And another thing I should mention, actually, is there is a moment where in one of the episodes I remember Gary changes history by accident, and in doing so, he comes back to the present, and Ron is a vicar. Uh, which <laughs> oh I don't remember that <laughs> which is a brilliant way because obviously vickers listen and he listens. he's constantly listening and the thing is he um, that whole episode is about Ron's uncle and how his his uncle or his great uncle was very inspirational even though he didn't meet him because he saved some people from a burning building. And it's funny how without that influence, which is the point of the episode, he still becomes something positive. In fact, probably even more positive because his uncle is basically just an evil version of Ron. Um, but yeah, I, I shouldn't really be talking about all these storylines because if you haven't seen it before, spoilers, it just sounds... <laughs> crazy
1: it does sound pretty outlandish definitely the
0: episode where he gets struck by lightning and then the bad gary goes back to the past and plays anarchy in the uk (laughs) um is just very odd and there's another aspect when the film yesterday came out which is a film about a guy who wakes up in a world where the beatles don't exist and so he starts playing beatles songs and everyone's like wow this new song you've written or this new sound wow this is amazing And all anyone could say was, isn't that just good night, (laughs) sweetheart? Because that's all Gary does. And they tried to bring it back in 2016 with a special, which I loved. I thought it was great because I wanted to revisit those characters in that thing. You could see that they were starting to nearly trip themselves up a bit. Because in the forties, Gary gets away with the idea of, oh, I've written this song, you know, that's actually a John Lennon song, because the Beatles are twenty-three years away or twenty-two years away. Whereas if you're in 1962 and the Beatles are just coming, you're constantly going to have that joke of, oh, not again, you know, where, did, oh, what happened to your song? Go, which would get a bit boring, I think. Whereas back there, it's like. It's just the funny thing. But that must have cost them so much money. (laughs) That must have cost them so much money. Um, They must have been like, can't you use like, you know, Neil Diamond or something? Bit of Sweet Caroline. You know, does it really have to be Yellow Submarine or All My Loving? Like, does it really have to be a Beatles song? But I think that because at that point they were so far in the future and there is that storyline where... Um, an agent for George Formby hears When I'm 64 (laughs) and, you know, wants him to sing it. And so you get this basically George actor playing George Formby singing When I'm 64. (laughs) And Ron comes up with the idea of, of, well, it's okay because instead of Paul McCartney writing it, he'd just grow up hearing George Formby sing it. So the song is still out there in the world. It just wouldn't exist in that form but of course that's messing with history and this is the thing about this time travel thing it kind of goes between being a sitcom being a time travel drama thing to being something else entirely it is all things to all people and that is a very rare commodity in sitcom and i wish they brought it back it's probably a little bit too late now but I'm just glad that there's so many series and that they had so many eras, even though at the end it did get a bit, a bit silly as for the question, is this the best British sitcom of the nineties? Um, well, I would say personally, it's one of my favorites, but I, I think there's perhaps better out there and this is me, right? I'm supposed to be saying this is amazing. And I have, I've said, this is a great show a great show, um, despite all its flaws, despite the weird thing. And we haven't even talked about language. You know, I I saw the scene the other day with Reg, and he was using a lot of quite derogatory language that would get cut out of a lot of things now. But because it's in context, because it's in World War II, and you think, he's talking like they would have spoken. And that makes it even more powerful. And it, it takes it above sitcom. In my view, and it I is, think so, it is over there, you know, with dad's army, kind of like, well, you know, this is one of our attempts to show this, but we're not doing it in a completely lighthearted way, we're not making yes. fun of it.
1: It manages to strike that balance between we're laughing at it, but we are still acknowledging the seriousness,
0: which a lot of things, you know, it, it is so easy to get it wrong, definitely, on these things, yes. Um, but yeah. Good Night, Sweetheart, as you said, is available on ITVX. Um, It's just been uploaded, so do go and have a look at that. It does get better. Um, Maybe after se- series three or four. I'm actually quite a fan of when they changed the, the actresses who played the wives.
1: I did wonder if you were going to refer to that. I was thinking I remember it from the first time round with the two later actresses. But actually, having gone back, I prefer the first ones. No shade at all on on the replacements, let's call them.
0: It just made it more cartoony.
1: Yes, I think so. I think they made it... Somehow, they just kind of took it to this other level that was much less character and they were kind of trying to be a bit more overt and stuff,
0: I think. Well, they made them almost stronger characters, because at the yes. beginning, Michelle Holmes is very kind of... Almost hopeless, like something wrong happens, and like everything is wrong.
1: I think, yeah, she, I think she plays it a bit more real the way you really would think about, talk about, and
0: react to things. But then, with the introduction of the shop, they also make her character, um, played by Emma Amos, go just a little bit up. Yeah. So she's like this famous person who's not going to notice if Gary's there or not. Yeah. So it allows them to to kind of play with it. And they did a very similar thing where I thought the original Phoebe was um perhaps a little bit more more gentle. Yes, in the I approach. think so. Like when she tried to be tough, you kind of believed it. But it was also like slightly out of character, that's slightly weird. Whereas I think with um, with Elizabeth Carling, it was a little bit more strong and and you know you almost believed it. And I think maybe they changed it over at just the right time for the stories that they wanted to. Because some yes. of the stuff I couldn't imagine the the first actresses doing some of the stuff later.
1: No, that's true. I think it it just signals a, a kind of a change in the mood. It switches up a little bit
0: i think so well um that is that isn't it well thank you very much for listening thank you for joining me once again andrea please do come again um and i will see you once more when we ask the question is hmm, the best british sitcom of the 90s